welcome to the Word on Wednesday podcast for June 10. My name is John Mason, and it's great to have you with us. Today, following a reading from Psalm 103, I will introduce the prayers. Andrew Pearson will then lead further prayers drawn from an Australian prayer book, 1978. Catherine Jacob will bring us a Bible reading from the New Revised Standard Version. Andrew is the Dean, Senior Minister of the Cathedral Church of the Advent, Birmingham, Alabama, and Catherine is a member of the ministry team there. Music is also from the Cathedral, under the direction of Dr. Frederick Teardew and Zachary Hicks. And now a reading from Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget all His benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good as long as you live, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. As we turn to prayer, will you join with me in praying the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. A prayer for today. Lord God, the strength of all who put their trust in you, mercifully accept our prayers, and because through the weakness of our mortal nature we can do nothing good without you, grant us the help of your grace, that in keeping your commandments we may please you both in word and deed, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen prayer for all in authority. Almighty God, the fountain of all goodness, we humbly pray you to bless all who hold positions of authority and public office in every land, so that all things, especially in these uncertain times, may be ordered in wisdom, righteousness, and peace, to the honor of your holy name and the good of your church and people, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. A prayer for everyone in need. O God, creator and preserver of all people, we humbly pray for all sorts and conditions of men and women that you would be pleased to make your way known to them, your saving power among all nations. Especially we pray for the welfare of your church, that we all may be guided and governed by your good spirit, so that all who profess and call themselves Christians may be led into the way of truth and hold the faith in unity of spirit in the bond of peace, and in righteousness of life. We commend to your fatherly goodness all who are in any way afflicted or distressed, with any kind of sickness or sorrow, anxiety or need. Especially we pray for family, friends, those who are known to us. Lord, we particularly pray for your comfort for those who are grieved by the loss of loved ones at this time. 
We pray for the ongoing research into a vaccine and cure for COVID-19. We also pray for the many who are out of work. Give wisdom and compassion to leaders, enabling them to facilitate an effective economic recovery and so provide opportunity for work for everyone. Lord, we also pray for those who are in physical, mental, or emotional danger at this time. Father, may it please you to comfort and relieve them according to their needs, giving them patience in their sufferings and a happy issue out of all their afflictions. All this we ask for the sake of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. A prayer for peace. God of the nations, whose kingdom rules over all, have mercy on our broken and divided world. Shed abroad your peace in the hearts of all people and banish from them the spirit that makes for conflict so that all races and people may learn to live as members of one family and in obedience to your laws. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. A reading from the letter of Paul the Apostle to the Colossians, chapter 1, verses 3 through 8. In our prayers for you, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. You have heard of this hope before in the word of the truth, the gospel that has come to you. Just as it is bearing fruit and growing in the whole world, so it has been bearing fruit among yourselves from the day you heard it and truly comprehended the grace of God. This you learn from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, and he has made known to us your love in the Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. How can we help our broken and divided postmodern world find hope and peace? In his letter to God's people in Colossae, Paul the Apostle writes of the hope that has awakened their faith in Christ Jesus and their love for one another. He comments that this hope is grounded in God's good news, which is itself based on the truth. What is more, Paul observes that not only were God's people in Colossae growing in their faith, love and hope, but God's good news was bearing fruit and growing in the whole world. These words are very encouraging. Let's take a moment to explore the flow of Paul's thought. He begins by thanking God, the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, for their faith in Christ Jesus and the love they have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for them in heaven. There's a causal link between hope and faith and love. Hope is not the consequence of faith and love, rather hope has awakened them. This is important. The hope that God's people have is the motivation for faith and love. Let's think about this. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul writes of the reality and significance of Jesus' physical resurrection from the dead. 
He points out there that if Jesus did not rise from the dead, our own future resurrection from the dead is negated. Our professed faith would be meaningless and the associated Christian morality a joke. And as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 32, if the dead do not rise, we may as well eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. But the hope of which Paul speaks in Colossians chapter 1 is not simply optimism. Let me read on. Of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and growing, as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Now it's important to notice the emphasis Paul puts on the word truth. The gospel, he says, is literally the word of the truth. He could have left out any reference to the words, the truth, but he doesn't. He wants to stress that the essence of the Christian message is true. Reflecting on this, we can see that God's good news is beyond human invention and imagination. No one of us would have invented a God who was prepared to forgive a self-preoccupied and faithless world by such a costly and humiliating death as occurred at Calvary. The Gospel is also true historically. Paul is saying that the accounts of the life, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ are no invention. The records are true and trustworthy, supported by eyewitnesses. Furthermore, the Gospel is true experientially. By this I mean when people put their trust in Jesus Christ, who is at the centre of the Gospel, they discover their faith is not a hoax. It's so important we are assured that our own faith and our love for one another as God's people are grounded in the hope that is laid up for us in heaven. We need to ask ourselves, is my faith, love and hope in response to God's good news? Indeed, we need to pray that God's Spirit will awaken within us, as He did amongst the Colossian Christians, an ever-deepening love for the Lord Jesus Christ and for His people across social, cultural and racial divides. In the second century, God's people in the Roman world were under great suspicion. Tertullian, one of the church leaders at the time, responded by contrasting Christians with the Roman society. He wrote, Look, they say, that is the Romans, how they love one another, and how they are ready to die for each other. Furthermore, it's worth praying for opportunities to talk with others about the inconsistencies and unworkable nature of the diversity that postmodernism is imposing on the Western world. Robert Letham, for example, observes that the world of postmodernism is entirely arbitrary. If the emotions trump reason, we have no rational grounds for anything. Postmodernism cannot stand the test of everyday life, he writes. It does not work and will not work. It fails the test of Ludwig Wittgenstein, who insisted that language and philosophy must have cash value in terms of the real world in which we go about our business from day to day. To do that, we assume that there is an objective world and act accordingly. If there is not, life could not go on. 
Because God's good news is based on the initiative, action, and promises of the living God, we can be assured that His word and work will continue in today's world. God's passion is to save the lost. But we too have a part to play. The testimony of our faith, the example of our love, that includes forgiving those whom we believe have wronged us, and the reality of the hope we have, will all bear witness to Jesus Christ. But above all, we need to pray that God in His mercy will send His Spirit into the world, opening blind eyes to the truth of the hope, the joy and the peace that God holds out to us. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be with you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen.